Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. It's the middle weekend of the US Open and a lot has happened as we seem to find every single day that we record one of these. Some days I look at the order of play and I think nothing's going to happen today. And then, lo and behold, loads happens. Uh, and here we are sitting in Catherine's hotel lobby. Uh, and it's nice to see you, Catherine. We weren't able to have you with us last night. Um, thankfully, we have today. It, it's very nice to be back. And uh, many apologies to the listeners for not being on last night. But I, I wouldn't have made any valid contributions, <laughs> let's put it that way. It felt like a, a tall task as it was um, to try and put the Serena experience let alone her career and legacy into words you two both did did valiantly at it by the way um but I feel a bit more up to it tonight um I was convinced that today was going to feel utterly flat by the way it's funny that isn't it the way it works at Flushing Meadows um and it's almost like the tennis god sent us some final set tie breaks Mm. to to compensate for the the end of the Serena show. Matt was present for both of them. That's why he sh- he witnessed with his own eyes he was. two final set tie breaks today. It is the first Robert's Law, which is to be present at all final set tie breaks or to be watching them on a screen. You know, you can't miss those. You are a bit like a sniffer dog for oh, final, totally. set, final set tie yeah. breaks. He would watch and a final set tie break between David Law and Solly Hall Simon. Yes, I would. If, if the matches were ever competitive <laughs> enough to get that I'm far. I'm telling you, uh, we have had some final set tie <laughs> breaks, Matt. You, you, I'll book you in. Um, well, and the thing is, I was quite flat this morning. You know, the Grand Slams are a thrill, but they're also extremely tiring. And you go through them on adrenaline. And last night required so much emotional investment, I think. It really, it really took it out of everyone. And, you know, there were people at the WTA um, working with the players who said it felt like a Grand Slam final last night. You know, the occasion, the media afterwards. And, yeah, I woke up this morning thinking, oh, I'm a bit flat. You know, I haven't got that get up and go that I usually have and that was probably because the Serena Williams story which we'd all poured so much into was over but absolutely first match I went to was Muguruza Kvitova and it just woke me up and I had a brilliant rest of the day and I think the other matches sort of followed suit 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, look, we, we're going to get on to all of these final set tie breaks and all these dramatic moments of the day. But I think because we do have Catherine back with us, the first thing we do need to do, Catherine, is, is ask you for your views of what you witnessed last night. Uh, I was explaining that I was in the commentary box, Matt was in the stadium, you were watching on TV. I mean, how did it come across on TV over here and just the general experience of starting the match, I suppose, expecting... I imagined her to win, and then she didn't win, and then the aftermath. What were your feelings? What were your thoughts? Very similar to yours. I mean, it was all so... It was tremendously overwhelming, wasn't it? I thought it was handled pitch perfectly. I was relieved they didn't run the Oprah video again, Not, not because I don't like the Oprah video, but they'd done that. Monday was the time for that pageantry. Last night was was about a brilliant tennis match. Um, I, I know this isn't about Ayla Tomljanovic, but I, just as a, a side note, I think this could be the making of Ayla Tomljanovic. Cue her losing tomorrow to Ludmilla Samsonova, who is definitely the favourite going into that match. Um, but I've always thought that, you know... To the eye test, when I, whenever I've watched Tomljanovic, I've thought, wow, she's really good. A little one-dimensional, maybe, but there's plenty of one-dimensional-ish players that have had a lot of success in, yeah. in men's and women's tennis. Her ground strokes are, I mean, th- some of them backhand list worthy, <laughs> potentially. It's for, I know it's TBC at the moment, but I, her, I would have her backhand on the backhand list. I love it. I really like to watch her drill those ground strokes from from the baseline, going toe-to-toe with players far bigger and stronger than her. Um, And up until this point, she's, to be frank about it, she's been known as a bit of a choker, not a closer. And I, I don't know, mentally I feel like last night could do quite a lot for her in that department. If she can sort that out, I think she she could be quite a force. Yeah. I'm deliberately being vague about that, but <laughs> certainly more of a force than she is right now, which she had two two Wimbledon quarterfinals and, and that's it. She's better than that, I think. Yeah, I, I have a f- really bad feeling for her that she's going to lose in the next round. And that's it's difficult when you have such a moment. And like, mm. like your colleague said from the WTA, if it feels like a grand sum final and you've got to back that up, that's a hell of a thing to have to try to do. And the other thing is the opponent she's up against is just so good. Mm. Little bit of Samson of us, so yeah. I mean, having said all of that, I think there is a very big chance she loses to Samson of But I, I, I hope that doesn't derail her. I hope she can still take what she got from that Serena experience and best year of her career, isn't it? Really, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's come at a good time for her. On Serena, goodness me, the moment I keep thinking about, and I don't know why I'm torturing myself because. I choke up every time I think about it is I wouldn't be Serena without Venus I can't stop thinking about that line and about Venus who's usually so not stony face but she you has know, such poise doesn't she yeah she absolutely takes everything in a stride yeah. and we rarely see kind of emotion Mm. that is out of her control in any way mm. I'm sure she has it behind the scenes yes of course it's all very controlled publicly um, oh that 
that really gets me. It made me think well, immediately when she uttered it, and I obviously instantly burst out <laughs> crying. Um, it made me think of, um, and obviously this is completely different context, but it made me, it gave me the same punch to the gut as that moment in the Arthur Ashe documentary that we went to see, Matt Citizen Ash, um, where Arthur's brother Johnny was talking about um, signing up for a second tour of the Vietnam War in order to, in order that Arthur didn't have to um, serve in Vietnam, and that was before 1968 when Arthur went on to went on to to win the U.S. Open, but become the first black man to do so. Um, and obviously, that's war, and it's you know far bigger and more important and higher stakes but it gave me the same punch to the gut feeling as that moment in that documentary is and I'm sure a therapist could could do <laughs> could do a lot of work on why sort of that sibling thing makes me makes me feel what it feels I mean I know Matt you felt similarly about it we're both close to our siblings aren't they maybe it's something more complicated than that I don't know but goodness oh, me that got me it's no I can, I can definitely relate to that um, there is something really special about seeing a sibling recognizing a sibling and the impact they've had on them and sticking up for them and all the things that that we definitely see with Serena and Venus even from afar we don't know them personally but We've seen just little bits to let us in. We've seen, obviously, the film as well, King Richard. Um, and I, I felt very strongly that we saw, the, saw a real sight of, and sound of Serena Williams in the press conference yesterday that I don't think we get to see and hear. And I, I really enjoyed meeting her, in a way. It was very mm. interesting to, to do so. I'd, you know, I, I get this, the sense that the world, I mean loves her already for so many reasons but would love her even more if they got to know mm. her my other one takeaway which is the only thing to to you know I basically have no notes on what you've, you've said last night but um, this must make it harder for her to step away I'm not saying she's going to revise her opinion uh, her decision I don't think she will there I, must be a temptation I think this is the end but it must make it a less peaceful end emotionally I mean, obviously, the benefits out, outweigh the negatives. If you'd offered her before the tournament to, to play a dance site better than she did in Cincinnati, she'd have bitten your hand off. But in terms of walking away at peace, knowing you wrung out every last drop, I think this makes it harder. Because, yes, by all accounts, something changed after Cincinnati. She panicked. She was worried. She wanted to be at the very least competitive at the US Open she had some input from Renee Stubbs she changed things she started hitting with other tall players she started changing up her tactics bringing in her margins you know she she ate a bit of humble pie I think yeah. and that that was only two weeks worth of work and look at the level she got to so that must all be going through her mind I put that to Daniela Hantikova on, um, on Prime Video today and her response was that the looseness that she experienced this tournament was such a contributing factor to her level of play that logically it doesn't work to apply this to longer term because it just wouldn't yeah, be like that. I, I that's think that, make, that makes a lot mm. of sense to me. You know, what she, what she described after her second round win of having it had a target on her back for the past 
23 years since winning in 99 and that target being removed that was so insightful mm. but she would stop feeling that wouldn't she if she if she carried on she would stop feeling that relief um so that that helped me understand i think but i i still think it will it'll all be going through her mind but what if you know yeah. what if so tantalizing they, they are i mean we, we've had 24 hours of separation now mass how do you feel do you feel any different do you have you had any further thoughts are there any you know if we think about serena i mean obviously there was the immediate aftermath of the match itself the night but in terms of her career and i mean i think this is going to be a subject of a massive show in years to come of course but you know i was trying to think about her impact on the sport and so many things come to my mind but I just think that yesterday was a demonstration of how Serena made tennis feel and sound and look. You know, that atmosphere you would only get at a Serena Williams match. And we're really going to miss that. You know, there's a line in the uh, Oprah piece that that has been played at this tournament, which is... She turned centre court into centre stage. And I do love that line because I do think I've always felt Serena was the show and n- none more so than this week. And I just just felt that so strongly. And, and actually, um, the match moved college football last night off ESPN onto ESPN2 hmm. which obviously we don't really know what that means but that is a big deal it's a big deal yeah. it's a big deal yeah, yeah. Uh, and again that's only Serena and we're, we're going to miss that and I looked around today um, at Flushing Meadows uh, which was still absolutely thronging with people I think the uplift in attendances will remain perhaps not to the same extent but I think the Serena effect will extend a bit beyond her exit from the tournament. And it was just an incredibly diverse crowd on, on every level. Races, genders, ages, everything. And you've been coming to this tournament a lot longer than I have, David. Um, this is a very diverse city, so I'm sure it's had good diversity all along, but it seems to me that it is more diverse than it has ever been before and that for me is the Serena effect and probably the Coco Goff effect as well but the Coco Goff effect is the living legacy of Serena she says herself I wouldn't be a tennis player if it weren't for Venus Mm. and Serena and yes New York's a diverse city London's a diverse city and I love Wimbledon but it ain't a diverse crowd well it is here I mean Serena and Venus have far out stayed myself in terms of attendance to this tournament I came in 2003 for the first time they'd been here many years before that so I think that their impact was already being felt by then but when you walk around Flushing Meadows you come across the Arthur Ashe statue you come across the Althea Gibson statue that was only recently um, designed and built and um, we had the 
the privilege to cover their lives and careers in tennis relived a couple of our first ever shows certainly the first ever US Open ones from two years ago and I think when you think back to what certainly Althea went through in her life and in her career trying to be accepted trying to have a chance to compete and I mean she blazed a trail for Serena and Venus but Venus and Serena have blazed a trail for goodness knows how many millions um, and that's that's you know that's a gift to tennis and it's a gift to to all sorts of people and the thing is about Althea is that she she didn't receive the recognition in her lifetime did she she yes she had that the ticker tape parade after she won Wimbledon but it's a tragic story in many ways she died penniless and underappreciated and underrecognized you know that that statue is brilliant that it's there but it should have been there while she was alive to to see it and so for Serena to be getting the appreciation in her lifetime that sounds a very morbid thing to say doesn't it well in her lifetime I I think is very important and I think it's amazing that we can see the Serena and Venus effect as you said even just on this tournament in a way that for example golf hasn't seen the Tiger Woods effect in terms of there are mm. not there are not that many black golfers there are not that many um, black golf fans at these tournaments in a way that there are in tennis and that's not to diminish Tiger Woods in any way that's that's just to say that it is amazing the way that there has been a very tangible Serena Venus effect in tennis and Goff and Keys and Townsend and all these players all cite Venus and Serena as as exactly as you said you know they are the living legacy and um, yeah I think that will that will ultimately be one of the main things I think we look back on Serena's and Venus's career for as well as of course all the all the records and titles and great moments that they gave everyone Well, I think it's time to talk about today's (laughs) tennis. Um, Before we do so, uh, just to remind you, the tennis podcast during the US Open is brought to you in association with AO Travel, who provide the Australian Open experience the easy way. And we do like an easy way, Catherine, because anything that is faff-free is all right by us. Particularly me. I see the way you're looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) So Catherine's going to be... Catherine likes to outsource her faff. Yes, she does. So she's going to be going to ozopentravel.com <laughs> because they can create your perfect package of tickets. Basically, you tell them what you want. They'll sort it out for you. Flights, accommodation, premium experiences such as wine tasting. I'll look at Catherine again. Uh, behind the scenes tours. That'd be nice. Uh, even a Rod Laver Arena walk-on experience. Uh, so ozopentravel.com. Check out what they've got to offer. They'll sort the lot for your fly stay and play and they will sort you out uh, and don't forget our competition the entries are flying in for our competition for friends of the tennis podcast one friend of the tennis podcast is going to get two ao travel packages to go to the australian open in january the winner will receive an array of tickets over the middle weekend uh an two array. yes an array catherine <laughs> four days worth of tickets all different types they get to experience all sorts of parts of the australian open i'll tell you 
I, I wouldn't mind winning this, and I, I'm not allowed to enter. Um, it's a good job I'm going anyway. <laughs> so uh, they get accommodation, they get two return economy flights, uh, and a premium experience as well. So complete the full thing. Um, if you want to enter, you need to be a friend of the Tennis Podcast before the competition closes on September the 16th. And uh, the link then, once you are a friend of the Tennis Podcast, will be in our newsletter to enter. So, today's tennis. Mm. There's quite a lot of that to talk about. Can we actually can we start with Muguruza and mm. Kvitova? Because you mentioned that at the start of the show, and that that had quite an effect on everybody that I saw watching it. Everybody I was talking to because it was rolling back the years, not quite as dramatically as last night with Serena Williams, but in their own way. Muguruza and Kvitova are—I don't want to say yesterday's champions, but they they aren't talked about as today's contenders for the titles. And it was just great to see the desire and the ambition and the hope and the brilliance and the skill that they have today it was and there was a real appreciation i think on the armstrong court that these are two great champions and you know they were they were meeting pretty early in this tournament um and kvitova herself cited serena as inspiration saying that she watched her saving all those match points last night and sort of channeled that energy when she did the same to win this match she saved two match points just before the final set tie break and it was just brilliant it it really was I, I didn't think the tennis was always fantastic from both players it was quite nervy Muguruza in particular had a 5-2 lead in the final set and got very, very tight. She couldn't keep a forehand in the court. No matter what sort of ball was fed to her, she was getting fed forehand slices and she was lifting the forehand long or into the net. And it made me want to cry for her. Yeah. And it was interesting that Kvitova was forehand slicing the ball. You know, she really reined in her own game I think sensing the nerves down the other end and and took advantage of them but then it got to the final stages of the final set tie break and suddenly the tennis just peaked and Muguruza saved saved a match point with a brilliant uh, return and then passing shot winner after Kvitova had served and volleyed on match point and then Kvitova herself at 10 all in the tie break having, as I said, kept a lid on some of her shots, just suddenly went for it on a forehand down the line, hit the winner, gave her trademark celebration, the crowd was up. It was, it was just incredible scenes. And, um, yeah, she then won the tiebreak and kept up this incredible head-to-head record that she's got against Muguruza, which is now 6-1 wow. in her favour. And I think for Muguruza, it's a particularly tough loss because she could have exercised a couple of demons you know she could have killed a couple of birds with one stone really by beating Kvitova and also stringing together three wins which she hasn't done all season and closing out a really tight match exactly Grand Slam yeah just three three birds three birds one stone (laughs) and she was in tears when she she left the court yeah we we were we've been worried about Muguruza today but she did she did just walk past us David shortly before we arrived um, wandered into the hotel uh, with ice cream in hand. So oh well, there we go. She's self medicating. Right. <laughs> Good and, for her. And she did say in her press conference that she was very proud of her fighting spirit in this match, which 
I don't think she ever doubts, but maybe sometimes it's just not there. Mm. Not because she's not trying. It's just sometimes you can't bring it all. And I think she really, really did today. And I think she saw that as a sort of step in the right direction. Plus, it's a different type of fighting spirit when you just don't have it anymore. If you're sort of shots and not going in the, with the conviction that they used to. You've got to draw on something really mm. deep in you, I think, yeah. to be that competitive and to overcome the nerves. And remember when Sabalenka was struggling with all, all those double faults and she still carried on regardless. I've got such respect for players that do that. That was this year. Yes. She, she just won a third round match here for the love of, loss of two games. Love and two. Or two and love. Yeah. Who did she beat? Clara... Burel, mm. conqueror oh, of Elena Rabatkina. And in the previous round, we were covering it a little bit as the match was going on, but didn't Kaya Kanepi lead her like 6 mm. 2 5 1? She, mm. she served for it at least once. Extraordinary. I comeback. think multiple times, yeah. Sablenka's one to watch out for, I think. Yeah, well, it's good to see her doing well. So, uh, Kavitova now plays Jessica Pagula, who beat uh, Yu Yuan. Uh, in three sets. It was actually really tight, wasn't it? That was a match on, on Arthur Ashe Stadium court. Yeah, lost the second set on a tie break and then just ran away with the third. Um, felt like a little bit of a... Just, all due respect to you, Anne, felt like a little bit of lapse in concentration, perhaps from Pagula to, to let Yuan uh, back in it. But she, she regrouped so well and just put it behind her immediately. And off she goes. Bit of a different experience for her because she's now American number one. There she is on the Arthur Ashe Stadium court. I often think of her as the player that can go under the radar a little bit and and produce in that situation. So this is a different situation. Yeah, and it makes me think of um, Barbara Krejcikova and how she talked about, you know, playing in doubles finals, giving her the experience of being on the biggest stages and I think Coco Goff has talked about that as well who of course is now Pegula's doubles partner she played the US Open final last year didn't she and they played the French Open final this year um, she's been on the biggest stages and played in some huge matches some in singles but a lot in doubles and I, I think that helps with, with comfort levels yeah that's true that's true particularly here um, I share that view um, we also had a win for Igish Viontek, the world number one. That was in the night session whilst Nadal was playing as well. He was on the Arthrush Stadium court. Yeah, t- two very uncompetitive, simultaneous uh, matches going on on Ash and Armstrong first up tonight. And um, I'm being generous to Richard Gasquet with that take, I yeah. think, with my choice of words. I know he rallied a bit in a third set, but I almost think Nadal might have led him back in for a bit of extra practice to be honest I don't know it was it was a damp squib yeah I mean the first two sets didn't I'm he not win? even sure it was a squib he won at one all. game didn't he Gasquet in the first mm. two sets yeah and then it was 7-5 he, he had love 40 on Nadal's serve in the opening game of the match didn't and he? I was thinking oh I was thinking that for about 10 seconds. <laughs> and then next thing I knew, Nadal was six love, three love up. Did he at any point just start swinging Gasco? He did a bit, but his swings don't have that much impact against I've still, Nadal. I've still got 2007 Wimbledon in my mind when he I hit know. 100 backhand winners against Andy Roddick in five sets. 
You know, where is that Richard Gasquet? I mean, it's a completely different match-up, isn't it? The, you know, the spin, the leftiness. I know it's a bad match-up for Gasquet, but there's also something just deeply depressing about watching him drip around the court. I don't know. Did you say drip? I did. Oh, preview for tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> we've got Mute. <laughs> Involved. They're in the same half of the draw, actually, Shapovalov. Oh, no, God, he's gone out. So, OK, the drip double is is off. Yeah, OK. <laughs> Fans of drip are relying on Corentin Moutet to beat Casper Ruud tomorrow. But don't worry, there are no fans of drip. Okay. So <laughs> there might we're be. In, we're in the clear. There might be. We might have listeners that are fans, <laughs> imagine. <laughs> I can't believe it. Tweet us at Tennis Podcast. <laughs> Do tell us. Uh, right, now, Sviantek, so she beat Lauren Davis 6-3, 6-4. So that was a bit closer, wasn't it? Um, I didn't see any of the match, to be quite honest, so I it can't tell you. didn't feel very close, Did it not? I would say. No. No. It wasn't peak Sviantek, but it, it didn't feel that close to me. I was multi-screening. ESPN had a split screen with Nadal. I think they thought, two uncompetitive matches, let's show both of them at the same time. Does... Two bad matches equal one good match. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I had a third screen with Love Island on it. Um, uh, how did that go? Is that underwhelming? Oh, more entertaining. Oh, right. um, is that fixed? Fixed. Right. Is it scripted? Are they? Do, do, uh, you know, this is a different podcasting. I'm just curious. I don't know. It it's less predictable than the Gasquet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Very well brought back around Matt that was beautiful okay well I can tell you that Iga Sviantek now faces Eula Niemeyer who you may remember from Wimbledon because she had a run to the quarterfinals there didn't she what I most remember about her from Wimbledon is that Hannah um, of Twitter fame went very big on Eula Niemeyer at Wimbledon and and may or may not have put a bet on her to win, win Wimbledon, Wimbledon at some at point some in her stage, career. Yeah. Well, so she's getting delayed gratification now as she goes mm. tearing through the US Open draw. I think Shinshin wins a, a big win, yeah. actually. I know six, she's inexperienced, but I really, I really rate Zheng Shin Wen. Um, I still think she's going to happen. Um, but I think that's a decent win. She can play. Very Jean. good win. Very good win. And it also shows that Nehemiah doesn't just play well on grass. Mm. I think that's mm. really exciting to see how she gets on against Fiontech, which obviously is you know, one of the ultimate challenges in the sport right now. Um, other results today. Victoria Azarenka beat Petra Martic 6-3, 6 love, and was absolutely awesome. I mean, talking to Laura Robson, I think she watched a bit of that and actually said that Martic, when she's off, she's really off, and she was off today. Um, so that was a help for... But I mean, we talked about uh, Serena having a 2020 Azarenka-esque transformation over the last couple of weeks. Well, I feel like Azarenka has had her own Azarenka-esque transformation because, (laughs) as I laid out on the podcast a a few weeks ago, the performance she put in against Emirata Kanu was worse than Serena's against Emma Raducanu. And now, oh, yes. and now Azarenka is really bringing it. She, she has, she's done incredible work in the last couple of weeks to be playing like this. She does love the US Open, though, doesn't she? She loves, loves these courts. Always mm, three, Three-time finalists? Yeah, very often plays well here. And we've seen this from Azarenka before, where she came in with no form and then brought it 
in the mm. tournament that was played in New York, the Cincinnati one, um, and then followed it up by reaching the final. So, yeah, who knows? You wouldn't count her out. She now faces uh, Karolina Pliskova, who beat Belinda Bencic in three very close sets as well. And on the subject of Azarenka, she was in the interview room today and talking about a really, really important subject. And I think probably the best way to tell me tell you what she had to say is to run you through an article written by Simon Briggs in The Telegraph today, which reads, The former world number one Victoria Azarenka has called for tennis to address the allegations over manipulative coaches saying that some young players are being exploited right and left on the tour, in quotes. After a week that saw former world number 39 Fiona Ferro accuse her former coach Pierre Boutet of raping her as a 15-year-old, Azarenka said that she would think twice about allowing her own daughter to play professional tennis. Boutet was subsequently charged but denies the claims, claiming their relationship was a, quote, love story. The recent story with Fiona Ferrer that came out, I don't know how to put it into words sometimes, said Azarenka. All you can do is check in on the person and kind of give your hand what I can do, what I can help with. So, I mean, I applaud her for being brave. I hope this situation, she's going to come out of it stronger and tennis is not ruined for her because of that. That, I think, is a very, very heavy topic. As a member of the eight-player as a member of the eight-person player council, Azarenka said that she felt responsibility to improve the game's safeguards against coaches, not only those who are accused of being sexually exploitative, but those who are allegedly manipulate their charges in an attempt to isolate them. Our job, said Azarenka, is to be better at safeguarding. As player council, it's almost like number one subject to us because we see those vulnerable young ladies that are getting, are getting taken advantage of in different situations. In the women's game particularly, I see so many coaches that make their players dependent on them, and I think that's very dangerous. It's very, very manipulative too. I wish that kind of subject was talked about a little bit more. Azarenka finished by saying, the problem here is when somebody's winning, nobody's going to go and say, OK, that inappropriate coaching behaviour is the thing. When the winning stops, it becomes dark, and there is nobody to hold your hand. It's incredibly powerful, isn't it, what she's done today? Incredibly powerful. An important quote. Yeah, and and she's she's said that not after a loss, after a victory, when a lot of players, even if they knew that they had something to say, would would hold off until they were out of a tournament or a non-tournament week or whatever. You know, she's taken this on whilst also having aspirations, presumably, of winning the U.S. Open. and Azarenka is an interesting one to me because sometimes when I expect her to be really outspoken about something or feel strongly about it, she backs away from it altogether and I find myself being a little disappointed. But sometimes she tackles things so bravely and head on and I'm so thankful that she is a voice in the sport and we need to be listening to her because everything she says there is right. We know this is happening. And even people that don't know about specific cases, we know that this is a situation, an environment where there is a massive deficit in power and experience, life experience. There is, there are power, gender, 
age and life experience dynamics at play um, and where there are vulnerable women there are inevitably cases of abuse in the world that is that is the world we live in unfortunately this is happening and without intervention and protection which I know is something the WTA are aware of and are looking at and PS it's not just a WTA issue it should be the whole of tennis but hashtag tennis united um I know they're aware of it I know they are targeting doing something about it but hopefully this will accelerate that hopefully it will embolden others to speak out the way Pam Shriver did so bravely a few months ago about her experience on this podcast and to Simon Briggs as well but P.S. I don't blame those that aren't speaking out and telling their story it, sh- it shouldn't be encumbered upon them that is a incredibly weighty expectation of them um, and also as evidenced by Pam and her story and if you haven't listened to it go back and listen to it a lot of those in abusive or exploitative relationships on both sides don't realise that they're in them Pam didn't realise at the time she only realised many, many years later and with the benefit of, of a lot of therapy. Um, and I think that's such an important thing to bear in mind. You know, the, the defence, by all accounts, of, of Fiona Ferry's coach is that they were in... It was a love story. Well, 40-year-olds 40, 40 in positions of power and authority don't have love stories with 15-year-olds. They do not. And that's the end of it. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, and uh, Victoria Azarenka, by voicing that today during a Grand Slam tournament, as you say, after a win in which she is still in the draw with hopes of going further and all the way, is, is an incredibly powerful moment for this subject, um, an important moment too. Yeah, well done, her. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. 
Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. You mentioned Rafael Nadal, obviously through straight sets against Richard Gasquet. He now faces Francis Tiafoe, which I've, I, I think is a really interesting story because Tiafoe hasn't been getting the biggest court assignments, but he's actually getting significant results. And from what I can gather, he's really excited by his level of play just at the moment. I mean, he's beaten Diego Schwartzman today in straight sets. You don't do that unless you're playing well. I agree. I think that's a big test for Nadal. You would expect that to be, you know, night session Arthur Ashe, certainly prime time Arthur Ashe. And Tiafo, I always remember him playing Federer in that in that slot here, night session Arthur Ashe, before he was as good as he is now and he really showed up. You know, I think of him as a as a big match player and a big show player and he's got a chance to 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 prove that really and I, I think he will I think that's dangerous for Nadal um, if he nearly wasn't a straight set to win I think Diego Schwartzman served for the opening set twice uh, it was a very long tie break it was all very tight but what, once Tiafo did win it he had the whole energy of the Louis Armstrong Stadium behind him he's, he's tough to stop when he gets going uh, yeah it, that's a very interesting fourth round match yeah, it really is. Um, and I, I was listening to some of the crowd. You could hear it. I, I was commentating on a match on oh, court loud. number 17. You could just hear it in the distance. And, and we've been tipped off, by the way, um, by Matt Futterman of the New York Times, mm. um, that the reason Diego Schwartzman draws such big and um, fervent crowds at this tournament is because he's Jewish. Um, or of Jewish, Jewish heritage, um, and there's obviously a huge Jewish community here in New York, biggest Jewish community outside of Israel, um, and that's why he's the man here. So he had a lot of support out there today, um, but obviously Tiafo had a, mm. a fair few voices as well. It sound, I, I could hear that from around the grounds, and it sounded really cool. Yeah, it did. Uh, I'm already looking forward to that match. There's, there's quite a few matches. That's a test for Nadal because yeah. he'll make it physical. It, it it couldn't be more opposite to Richard Gasquet. Yes. He's it's such a comfortable matchup against Gasquet. Tiafo is uncomfortable for mm. him, I think. Yeah, and he's playing well enough to believe. I think that's mm. which is vital. If mm. you're going to actually win. And I'm not saying he's going to win, but if he is going to win, he has to believe he's going to win. And that's just just the key thing as far as I'm concerned, uh, as well as his form more generally. So um, that's that section of the draw. 
Another classic that took place today was Andre Rublev beating Denis Shapovalov in a fifth set tiebreak. Now, I watched quite a lot of this because we were waiting for the Dan Evans match to come on. And, um, and Rublev and Shapovalov were, were just duking it out. And it was, it was one of those, you know, neither one went two sets up and came back. This was, I win one, you won. I win one, you won. And then they go into a fifth. And then Andre Rublev serves for it. And then he's, he's got match points. And then Shapovalov breaks back. And then it's a tiebreak. And honestly, all the way through that match, and particularly in the fifth set, I thought Shapovalov would win. Watching the rallies, there's a one-pace to the game of Rublev. It's hard, but it's one-paced. And Shapovalov's ground strikes have an acceleration that dictated who won and lost those points. He hit more than... He hit exactly twice the number of winners that Rublev hit in the match. I think think, um, think he hit 72 to 36 winners, and he lost the match. And I just have to give Rublev the most enormous credit for just not going away and ending up winning. I think it shows great mental strength in the end. Yeah, Matt and I were both out on grandstand watching this. The, the, the press box, by the time I arrived, which was at the start of the fifth set, was so busy that there weren't actually any seats around Matt, so we had to sit sort of together but separately, occasionally leaning forward to catch one another's eye you when, mean after the jumping single-handed backhand when from Dennis Shapovalov yeah that went out yeah yeah <laughs> we caught one another's eye every time Shapovalov's feet left the ground what, on a, what on a of, backhand what sort of look are we talking here I know this isn't very good on a podcast but I'm curious I can describe a knowing it. look <laughs> yeah is it a knowing it was, it was a, a nod it was a, a nod. that was great but also that was dumb yeah okay, that was right. I enjoyed it. As I said to the... But what um, are you doing? The, the chap sitting next to me from USA Today, who I think is a, a podcast listener, so hello. Um, I said, look, uh, he had just hit a feet off the ground. I think it was a return. Feet off the ground. Uh, backhand into the net, I think. Um, and I said, well, that's highly relatable. If If I had the ability to hit a backhand like that I would go for that shot every time every single time regardless of where I was on the court what the score was that's the shot I'd be hitting Denis Shapovalov should not be finding himself we should not be relatable to one another (laughs) it's like going to the shops in a Ferrari isn't it that should be a great disappointment to him (laughs) that I can relate to him I totally get it but he needs to have superior impulse control <laughs> on his backhand to me. Um, and I, I, I totally get it. He wants to hit those shots, but don't do it. <laughs> or if you're going to do it, do it at more opportune moments. Or uh, It's so frustrating. And, and there was also a point in the game when Rublev was serving for the match, which Shapovalov did, as you said, end up breaking in. But there was just this moment where he went for a volley. I, th- I think Rublev's shot clipped the net and he went for a volley. But it was such a hard shot to pull off. But his eyes just obviously lit up and he went for it. And it was his instinct to go for that really difficult high-risk shot. The actual play really was to 
paws, let it bounce, and then pop mm. it away. And it was, pop it away. It was definitive, wasn't it? Was it, that? The ex- it was the Denis Shapovalov game in a nutshell. Because he'd hit two amazing ground strokes to mm. set it up. And yeah. he, he, he didn't expect it to come back, did Right, they? and I just think if that was Djokovic there, or that was Nadal, or that was Federer, they would have picked the right shot. And Shapovalov went for kind of, you know, the high-risk shot. Um, but I'm torn because I feel like we've spent a lot of Denis Shapovalov's career watching him play matches like this and wishing that he would sort of kick on from them and get better. Actually, what's happened is that he's, he hasn't been playing matches like this. He's got worse in the last seven or eight months. So the fact that he is playing a match like this again, where he was brilliant for large portions of the match does sort of feel like a bit of a step forward because he's gone back to what he was doing before, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, I think... I mean, he's won two matches and been competitive against... uh, Is Andre Rublev top 10 at the moment? Against, effectively, a top 10 player. That, relative to where he's been... Exactly. That's really big. Yeah. Um, But only because we've revised... Exactly. Where we're filing him in our yeah. brains. I think a year ago we would have thought, oh, Shapovalov, yeah. what are you doing? Interesting, though. And I look, did think I, that a little bit. <laughs> I do the same, but interesting that the bloke who's reached the fourth round is not the bloke we're talking about. Well, I can talk about him as well, if you like. <laughs> but the, the instinct is that, though, isn't yeah. it? For, for yeah. With Shapovalov, he takes the attention. I do love the Rublev forehand. Hmm. I, I realised today how little I've actually watched Rublev live. Um, Same. And, yeah, I, I'm not sure I've ever seen him as close up as I did mm. today. Those, I, I love the grandstand court here. Yeah. Absolutely love it. It's, it's, um, it's quite Roland garros It's quite a beautiful structure. Some, yes, it there's is real nice. finesse about it, which is very un... US Open, this place is all about big and brash, which I also absolutely love. But that court really is beautiful, and the way it's sort of got slats around the top, and as the sun's setting, you get really beautiful light. Also sunburn, but, you know, <laughs> rough with smooth. Um, and I, and I, my brother's always that banging on about the Riblev forehand, you know, trying to imitate it and stuff. It's, it's, it's it? technical perfection, and, and, and I'm, I sort of roll my eyes a bit. Um, and other players do. Yes, they do. I've heard a lot of players say, oh, I was practising next to Rublev, and he was just firing these mm. forehands. I think they're a little bit in awe of just kind of the relentlessness and the repetition mm. and how quick the arm is yeah, yeah it is so quick yeah. and I did I did really feel that today watching it up close I'm glad I've seen that and I'm glad I've been sort of taken aback by it a bit yeah. really yeah. because because you're right the numbers and when you watch him you sometimes do feel a bit what's he actually doing you just left mm. feeling a bit a little bit cold by it not by them I'm a big fan of Andre Rublev the person um, but the game you can be left feeling a bit cold by but um I really enjoyed watching him up close today. He celebrated big. He went on, that. The, on the back, didn't he? He, <laughs> he went did. for the back. And he, he just lost his, himself for a second. And good for him. I love that. And and Shapovalov ran around the net to hug him. It was which a lovely was moment, lovely, actually. Really good lovely. Him, yeah. Good on him. Well, good luck to Dennis for the future. And good luck to Andre in the next round, which is against Cameron Norrie.
And it's very interesting, you know, because I think our conclusion now, I'm aware that I'm British, and I was talking to another fellow British person in the commentary box, was that Cameron Norrie would be the favourite for that match. But it's got to be close, hasn't it? I don't know. I Look, Rublev's got a decent chance, but I do feel quite confident that Cam Norrie's going to win that. Do you agree, Matt? I, I do. I would say 65-35, 60-40 maybe. 60-40, I'd go with, yeah. I think it's, it's funny because it wasn't that long ago, in fact it was only a few weeks ago, that Cameron Norrie had never reached the second week of a Grand Slam. He obviously broke that duck at Wimbledon by reaching the semi-finals, just broke that barrier down. And now here he is in the second week here, and it's like, well, of course Cameron Norrie's in the second week. It just feels so right. Um, And I thought one of his quotes afterwards was fascinating and might give an insight into how he tries tries to play Rublev as well, in that he said that for him, the match starts after two hours. He says he's, he backs himself so strong physically that if he can get, get a match to two hours, take an opponent's legs away in those two hours, he thinks he's going to have the advantage in that latter portion of the match, particularly today against Holger Rune, who he said, I've seen cramping before, so I knew that I had the advantage. We've all seen Holger Rune cramping before. We have before. all seen him cramping <laughs> Um, and he was right because Holger Rune, they did get to that two-hour mark and Holger Rune went off the rails in the third set and it was an easy win there for Nori. I think Rublev's tougher. You know, Rublev didn't seem to be struggling physically to no, me today. I mean, neither of them did, no, to it be was, fair. It was great it was to see octane, a right to the match end, of that length it? not decided yeah. by physical waning. Mm. Yeah. But it's amazing how strong Nori is physically and I love that him... He recognises that and embraces that and he, he uses that on the court as a weapon. Yeah, he very much says, I, I want to make it physical, that's, that's his thing. But uh, I suppose I have got in my mind the defeat he got at the hands of Karen Hachinov at uh, the French Open as, as one little kind of caution to optimism because I think that Rublev is not that dissimilar to, say, Hachinov. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one, because I, I, I think Rublev's a lot better than Hashinov. Um But I think, I just think getting over this, I mean, obviously he's he's gone high over the hurdle, Just, but at that stage it was so in his mind he'd never reached reach the second week of a slam, wasn't it? And I think, I think that was significant in that defeat. You know, he just keeps taking off these milestones, Nori, and he's never... You know, we're busy marvelling at them and revising our expectations of him while while he's busy looking upwards, yeah. looking at the next milestone. Never puts limits on himself and uh, was, was was a comfortable winner today. It's, it's a bit happening in this lobby. I think these are people coming back from Harry Styles, Matt. There are feather quite bowers. a lot of feather bowers. There are feather bowers. They've right. got back quickly. Hmm. Mm. They didn't go to the bar like we did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think we would probably better wrap this up before it gets too busy. So a couple of matches then just before we, we pack this up. Given that uh, Dan Evans has just walked past us twice in the lobby of Catherine's Hotel, we should probably mention him, uh, defeated in a very, very good match by Marin Cilic in uh, four sets. And it c- kind of could have gone either way, except the Cilic serve when he really needed it, just came to the party. He's, he's playing well. 
Mm. Yeah, oh God, it must have been so frustrating it, for Dan Evans to just, every time he got worked so hard for, for an opening because they've got such contrasting games. You know, it just looks like Dan Evans is working so much harder for everything yeah. and that's because he is. <laughs> that's just his game style, isn't it? And then, you know, all that toil and then boom, Ace goes down. That's what Pete Sampras used to do to everyone for about a decade wasn't it oh yes um but i think it i mean it was such a sort of game meets game vibe about this match wasn't there, there, was, there again there was a, a great great embrace between the two at the end of the match wasn't there that i listened to you describe on um on uh, five sports extra david it was it was brilliant and i i far more enjoyed listening to this match than watching it not just because if you're excellent commentary that my Thank mother tipped me off about. Thank you very much. David's, what did she say? Not gangbusters. Going great guns. David's going great guns, is what she said, <laughs> with at least two exclamation marks. Um, I didn't know your mum frequently used the phrase going great guns. N- nor exclamation no, marks. No, she only uses it on special occasions, oh, David. I feel very privileged. Um, no, I, I also more enjoyed listening to it because the ball bouncing in Marin Cilic is off-putting. Yeah. It is off-putting. I mean, I love the guy, and, he, you know, I really do. I've always gotten so well with him. He's one of my favourite people in tennis, but that, that is a tough watch to, to see him ball bouncing. It is, and I think it's tough for the opponent because they don't know when he's going to serve because it's not consistent. Yeah. You don't know when the serve's <laughs> coming down. I, do, I think there should be a rule. There should be a maximum number of bounces. Well, yeah. Or, or the bouncing should be included... In in not sh- sorry should be not included in the service motion. Mm. And sorry, I know we're running out of time, but while we're on sort of slightly niche um, service motion chat, oh yeah, uh, um, Holger Rune was getting very annoyed oh, about yeah. Cameron Norrie catching the ball. Yeah, because I mean, that, get over it, Holger. Just get over it, everything, <laughs> Holger. And he and he said he is he is almost going over the time a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, and, and what? He needs to find something proper to complain about. Yeah, we're gonna at least we're gonna have a lot of fun with Holger Rooner over the next few years, <laughs> for, for, probably yeah. for all sorts of reasons. But anyway, um, so we've now got Marin Church. Can Marin Church beat Carlos Alcaraz in the next round? Because I think he he could if he serves like that. Carlos Alcaraz did again today what he did in the previous round against Federico Correa. It was Jensen Brooksby today, which was utterly dominate for two sets. And, and, and he then, was fantastic uh, he was in those utterly sets. brilliant. Jensen Brooksby just wasn't... He was completely flat, wasn't even doing any trolling, you know. He was, I don't know if he's too stunned or too embarrassed. I don't know what I was going he, on. I think he just tried. hundred mile an hour forehand. Yeah, it, it, it was, and, but then Alcaraz started showboating. Again, what was he doing? Well, the usual, the usual sh- shamozzle, you know. Drop shots, unnecessary, yeah. Shot selection, you know, just having too much fun. Again, very relatable. <laughs> Pizzazz. Um, and he went down a double break. <laughs> went down a double break, <laughs> and then and then reeled, and then one, and then and then reeled thought, off six games oh, in a row. I'm having too much fun here. Better knuckle down, but. <laughs> And maybe that's fine, you know, get it out of your system in matches when you can. Or or maybe it's developing bad habits. I don't know. I don't know until he comes up 
against a sterner test. Chilich is a stern test if Chilich plays well. I mean, we don't know how Chilich will play yet, do we? But it's fascinating. I mean, I, I definitely feel like Alcaraz has worked his way through some of the issues he was having a couple of months ago. He looks more. I know he. I know he had his fall away in these two matches, but he he definitely looks more convincing again. I, I don't see him looking around as if to say, "Where have my incredible weapons gone?" Um, yeah, there's less sort of. Juan Carlos, help me. Yeah. Vibes. <laughs> um, a couple of other results. Um, Ilya Avashka beating Lorenzo Massetti. He now faces the winner of uh, Yannick Sinner and Brandon Nakashima. He's a set-up Nakashima yeah. in uh, soon-to-be-out-of-date tennis news. Indeed. So we'll bring you up to date with that tomorrow. Um, so that just about... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Brings us to a conclusion for results so bedtime i think folks uh, before we go to bed we should tell you about our lovely u.s open mascot phoebe who once in a while i have a look at phoebe because phoebe cheers me up you know what can i say i like phoebe i'm rubbing off on you david that's yeah, what i do as well <laughs> catherine's got a whole list of dogs she does that mm. with that's yeah right. I've, I've got just Emergency dog content saved in my phone for dark times. (laughs) Absolutely right. That's a good choice. I've got Darwin as my uh, mascot for the year. Catherine's got Carter. I got. I. 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 I haven't got a result yet because I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, well, should we talk about me and Carter? Because I did get a result. Oh yeah, go on then. Who did you get? I had Kvitova. Oh, that's a good one. Well done. So I had anxious times (laughs) earlier on. Very good. Oh, of course, Elise Corne is making a comeback because she's going to spoil my prediction. Anyway, we'll see. Uh, Matt's got Gerald, the dearly departed Gerald. What, what, how did you get on Matt? Yes, um, Gerald, Cameron Norrie, the media, and I took down Hogaruna. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fantastic. Billy Jean, the dog, is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Class. Chris Albert Lee and Kyle Weingartner are top blokes and our executive producers. And we have shout outs, Matt. We have Avery Herman, who is from Texas, but living in Philadelphia. Wow. All right, Avery. Hello, Avery. I think that's a name that only exists in America. Yeah, for sure. And I keep, I'm meeting a lot of people, and I'm like, well, that name only exists in America. Yeah. We have a runner working for us, very diligent, excellent young chap, uh, who's called Austin, and he's from Texas. <laughs> And that'll <laughs> never not be funny. <laughs> Have we got any names that would only be names in England? Clive. 
so glad I asked. <laughs> Thanks, Avery. <laughs> Who else we got? <laughs> We've got Simona Zanetti. All right, Simona. Oh, I wonder if there are any set tennis Simonas. Mm. <laughs> That's excellent. Are there any other tennis Simonas other than Halep? <laughs> I can't think of any. No, but Simona Zanetti is a great name. Simona Halep's enough, and Simona Zanetti. Zanetti. Zanetti is enough in terms of tennis podcast listeners who are friends. So thank you. And finally, we've got Sam Tan. All right, Sam. No. Sam Tan from Indianapolis. Sam says, some people call me Stan. Yeah. But not the man, since I'm a woman. Oh, cool. Oh, because S-Tan. S-Tan. Stan. Any relation to Harmony Tan? Oh, yeah. No one else was thinking about Harmony Tan. No one's ever thinking about Harmony Tan, are they? I've spent a lot of this year thinking about Harmony Tan. (laughs) And Sam Stosa and Sam... Sam Stosa and Harmony Tan. That's a very tennessy name. Mm. Love it. Sam, thanks ever so much for being our friend. Thank you, Sam. Brilliant. Right, folks. Bedtime. Day seven's coming up. That's what we're going to be looking forward to. Hope you are too. Thank you for listening. Don't forget our competition if you want to enter it. AO Travel, those incredible packages that they offer. Go and check out their stuff at ozopentravel.com. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you very soon. Mm-hmm.